Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we take a look at the new Disney Plus dining plan deal and whether it's worth it for your family. We also discuss life without park reservations. Final episodes of this podcast, anywhere you find audio podcasts, and we really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. You can also check us out on YouTube now, youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. Please like, subscribe, and comment there. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you can receive bonus content and ad-free episodes for paid subscribers. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. Happy New Year, Leslie. I listened to our 2024, looking forward to 2024 episode on the way home before recording, and I don't know, like, I'm starting to have these Genie Plus rumors gone the way of the Mary Poppins attraction at the UK Pavilion, because we have not heard anything about Genie Plus, and I'm starting to lose faith that Genie Plus is going to change. I don't know where you're feeling here in 2024, Leslie, Genie Plus-wise. Yeah, feeling the same. I I think changes are coming, but I think they're going to be later than anybody anticipated, and maybe not as earth-shattering. That's where this is trending in my mind, but it's really surprising we haven't heard anything yet. And and now I think, now that we're into the new year, I think it's safe to assume that vacations for these first couple of months are are safe. This, this may well be a post-spring break change if there is a change at all. Yes. In other words, if you listen to last week's episode, just throw our Disney do or don't into the trash, <laughs> straight into the trash. It was not good, not good. But yeah, we are here in 2024 now some of the changes that we did talk about the fact that park reservations have gone away park hopping is going away as you're listening to this episode that brave new world has come and dining plans are back and as of today as we're recording disney released a news news cycle dominating disney plus dining discount so we're going to talk a little bit about how you know leslie and i for those you don't know we are like big disney planning nerds and so we are always thinking about how things are going to change our vacation. And since neither of us are in the parks right now, uh, I thought it would be fun to theorycraft what these park reservation and park hopping changes are going to do to our planning for our trips. And hopefully, as you hear us think about how we go through our trips, um, that will help you to figure out how to plan your trips as well. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone we are on YouTube now. You can check us out on youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. We'd really appreciate it if you can like and comment and subscribe there. And then also, Leslie, our Patreon, let's just talk about that here at the beginning of the year. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash Disney Decipher. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a way that you can select a different level of support for us based upon your budget and your interests and all of that good stuff. And you can also leave us a one-time donation if you prefer. But we always put out bonus content, uh, trips, uh, trip reports while we're in the parks. And I will be doing that in Tokyo Disney this spring for those of you guys who are interested in hearing that. And Joe's got some trips coming up as well. So we really, really do appreciate our community. We have a great community and you can also get a lifetime subscription to our Facebook group. And we have a lot of fun discussions in there and and enjoy making fun of each other. Indeed. And relevant 
for 2024 episodes for all paid patreon subscribers at any level are ad free and you don't have to worry about any of that all right so let's get to it leslie park hopping let's uh let's explain it again really quickly you know i i still have people asking me what park hopping means um and it honestly meant something different than it means now you know if you had to describe to someone what park hopping is like adding the park hopper to your disney ticket if you had to describe that really quickly how would you explain that having that park hopper right gives you the ability to go to more than one park in a single day two parks three parks four parks, whatever you prefer and have time for. Now, if you have a multi-day ticket that doesn't have park hoppers, you of course can go to different parks, but you have to stay in one park for a full day. So if you have a four-day ticket that doesn't have park hopper, you could go to all four parks, but you wouldn't be able to move between the parks on a given day. And when we say stay in one park, just because this does confuse people sometimes, what we mean by that is any Disney ticket, you can leave the park and come back. But for the base ticket, when you leave, say, Magic Kingdom, you have to return to Magic Kingdom. You can't visit somewhere else somewhere else that day. But with a park hopper, you can leave Magic Kingdom, go to Hollywood Studios. You know, now these parkeology people, they're going to be very excited to try to ride every ride once again, because now that the park hopping restrictions are gone, you don't have to worry about waiting till 2 p.m., which used to be the old rule to park hop. You know, it's a little confusing, some of the verbiage they put out for annual pass holders. So I'm just ignoring it and just assuming I can park hop whenever I want. And park reservations, uh, 99% of guests, unless you're annual pass holder or are visiting via convention or something like that, you're not going to need to tell Disney what park you want to go to what day. Um, and so those are gone as well as of when you're listening to this. So, Leslie... I feel like the first thing that is going to change with how you plan things is it used to be like you would make your park reservations when you book your trip, then you'd make your dining reservations, then you'd like modify your park reservations to, you know, go with those. I feel like that's all gone now. Now it's like 60 days before your trip, you make your dining reservations and that kind of sets the framework in place for what parks you're going to go on what day. So I I feel like that's the first change that I'm sensing with my own Disney trips. Yeah, for sure. So now everything is really being driven by where you want to eat given times of day. And of course, if you're somebody who eats on the fly, you don't make a lot of dining reservations, then you have a lot of flexibility. That sometimes is me just depending upon the situation, you know, and I think this does give people more flexibility too for booking their dining reservations, because they may a lot of people overbook their dining reservations, they they think they're going to eat more table service than they actually end up eating. So they sort of plan things. But then as they cancel dining reservations, then they move around their park plans. So this this ultimately means more flexibility. But the thing that is going to be controlling your schedule more than anything, at least for now is is definitely going to be your dining and where those dining where those restaurants are, are and where you need to be and how fast you need to park up. Yeah, I think one plus out of all of this is in the last couple of years, there are a few times where there were like restaurants that I wanted to try, but I could only get a reservation for like 1230, which meant I had to have a park reservation for that park for that day. And I had to start in that park and Epcot, you know, it's almost always Epcot. However, 
you know, I'll be going at the end of January, and I realize now I can make like I want. I really want to try Shiki Sai, the new restaurant in the Japan Pavilion, and now I realize I can make it for twelve thirty, but I can start at Hollywood Studios. So I feel like that does make a pretty big difference that you can now park hop for lunch, whereas before you really were pretty much set to have to eat lunch in the park you started in and then go park hop later. I don't know if this is gonna cause me to take less breaks too because I can park up earlier, but I guess that remains to be seen. I think adding to that, Leslie, if there's a park where you don't have like five hours worth of things to do, <coughs> Leslie Harvey, Animal Kingdom, you can just go when the park opens and be done by like 11 o'clock and then get started on your next park. Yeah, that's really game changing for, for me. And I think for a lot of people, when you you really only want to hit a, a limited number of things in one park or one park just kind of isn't your jam, but you don't want to miss it entirely, you can go to it now for a few hours and then you can park up elsewhere. So this this does really change the strategy, I think, for for folks who value different parks differently. And, you know, especially to like, say you went to a park the day before and it rained and you missed the one coaster that you really wanted to ride or something like that, then you can start out the next morning, switch your plans up, go to that park, hit that one ride, and then get, keep going on with the plans that you already had to go to a different park that day. So I think that's where it's where it's really, really helpful. Um, definitely allows more efficiency and more flexibility. And like you say, Animal Kingdom for me. For those of you who were are not watching on youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered, Leslie was smirking through the entire like last part of that uh, when she brought up Animal Kingdom. But I, I'm glad you brought up the weather because I feel like, Leslie, you and I both recommend if you're planning a longer trip, five, six days, you really want to build a rest day in. One thing that was always tough is that because of park reservations, you were always like, oh, my rest day is going to have to be on this Wednesday or on this Thursday. But now because you don't need to make your park reservations. If you see the weather forecast a week from today and you're going to Disney and it looks like it's going to rain on Tuesday or Wednesday or maybe both, you can kind of choose on the fly which day you're going to take that rest day. So I think, I guess flexibility is really the key term to these changes are. And it is crazy. I'm just going to say again, it's crazy that we're like, oh, it's so flexible now. You know, it just used to always be like this. Um, and it's, it's just like, it only took four years for our brains to be trained to think that park reservations were normal. So that's scary. There's the, there's a, I'm sure there's a psychology podcast out there explaining that phenomenon. Now, one question I had for you, Leslie, I was wondering what you think. Are you feel like, I know we're not like super rope dropping families, but now that you can park up earlier, do you feel like rope dropping, are you going to be more tempted to rope drop in order to, you know, fulfill your forced march of happiness desires? Because I, I feel that way. Because now if I can park up at 11, you know, why not start at 8 and, you know, get get started on that next park earlier? Sure. Well, speak for yourself, Joe. I've always been a rope dropping family. What are you talking about? You're the one who's not the rope dropping family. No. I'm but just projecting. I, I think it be- <laughs> I'm just projecting. <laughs> Another psychology I think it be- term. I think it becomes all the more important, especially if you have like a shorter vacation and you're really trying to cram a lot of things in. You can have that epic day. You could have that parkeology level day if if you wanted to, being able to park hop before 2 p.m. And, and you know, I, I guess I've sort of had a, a halfway experience with this at Disneyland because Disneyland for the last year or so has had a park hopping time at 11 a.m. 
I mean, it's it's possible to finish, say, DCA before 11 a.m. if you if you want to, or if you only want to ride some of the some other rides there. But so I I've, I sort of have felt that already, like knock a full park out and then hop for lunch uh, at Disneyland. And so this is going to be that to to an even greater extreme at Walt Disney World because you really could just do one ride and then head elsewhere. So I think a lot of folks may try to do that. They may try to do something like rope drop the big headliner, like rope drop a Slinky Dog Dash and then be stacking up your, your Genie Plus lightning lanes and things like that for another park and then hop elsewhere. So I guess we need to talk about the effect of of park hopper and genie plus on all of this i mean i definitely think it makes genie plus and especially the multi-park genie plus feel more valuable like you said we can rope drop a headliner you know when we were talking about this uh, online before now i can rope i mean honestly i could book a remy's i mean i guess we don't know exactly how it's going to work but they have to take away the time restrictions and let you book genie plus for whatever park right so i could book Remy's Ratatouille Adventure for like 9.30 a.m., Rope Drop Hollywood Studios. And I could probably realistically, if I get there early enough, do Slinky Dog, then do Toy Story Mania and Alien Swirling Saucers, all standby, be done by 9.30 and be at Remy's by 10 and make my Genie Plus reservation. And then I'm still ahead of that two-hour booking curve, you know, because most people are going to make their second reservation at like 11 o'clock, but I'm done riding Remy's. And so I'm ahead of the curve Genie Plus-wise at Epcot that whole day. So I, I really do think that opens up a lot of possibilities and makes, especially for rope droppers, makes multi-parks Genie Plus a lot more valuable. Yeah, I totally agree. And it also makes just more generally park hopper tickets more valuable because it used to be you were paying this extra upcharge and you were stuck somewhere until 2 p.m. And now for the same price, <laughs> at least for until the next price increase, you can move more freely um, earlier and then potentially get to a third park under a reasonably long day. That's that's possible now for a regular family if they so desire. So it drastically increases the value of park hopper tickets, which, you know, definitely puts um, families on a stricter budget in, and I guess a little bit more of a, of a Sophie's Choice bind trying to figure out whether it's worth that that extra money and if they can get more out of it. But as we said before, Joe, cost beget cost. So now you're upgrading to Park Hopper to get this greater advantage. And then you're upgrading to the Multi-Park Genie Plus to get this extra advantage. And the cost continue to add up. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that Disney wants more people to be buying their Park Hopper. So we will see how that ends up shaking out and whether they're successful with that. The other thing that I'm curious about is how not having park reservations is going to affect the whole virtual queue situation. I'm thinking that I guess, I guess it just makes things easier. You can choose what virtual queue you want to join on any given day. I'm sure they're going to limit you to just one virtual queue total. But again, like with being able to park hop whenever, if you get the park hopper, you know, obviously this virtual queue thing doesn't matter whether you have the park hopper or not, but if you have the park hopper, then you can virtual queue and that actually with Tron, this will actually make a big difference, right? Because if you got a virtual queue time and you know you weren't going to get there in the morning in time for park hopping, well, I guess that's only for people who uh, change their park reservations, but uh, no one's going to do that anymore. But you know, it just gives you more flexibility. So like I said, the word of the day is flexibility. Yeah, for sure. And Disney has already said they're going to be limited to holding one virtual queue 
at a time. So there's some strategy that is going to come into play, at least while both Guardians and Tron have virtual queues, because if you're picking Tron first and maybe you don't get a very early time, you have to be able to use it and then physically get into the other park before 1 p.m., before that next virtual queue drop. So this is going to be a little bit tricky for people who are trying to get two in one day. You can do it, but the timing has to work out um, pretty exactly. So this is something to, to keep in mind. I actually suspect, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm going on record here, that the Guardian's virtual queue is not going to be too much longer for this world. I'm really surprised it's still here. It's been more than a year. So we'll see. I think that could easily become just a paid lightning lane or add, I don't know, something like that. Because Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at Disneyland, (laughs) it lasted what, like a week? Not even. (laughs) So I'm surprised. Guardians is great, but it's, it's been a while. I think the last thing that we will, it'll take some time to see, but I will be curious how this changes park flows because, you know, you knew that like a lot of people would start pouring in to Epcot after 2 p.m. because they would park hop there. But now that you can park hop earlier, it may make things so that parks are less crowded at different times. I think we will see Animal Kingdom clear out earlier, probably, and, you know, we will see how that affects things. So we don't really know. We'll let Turing Plans figure out the data for all that. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm really curious to see how this is going to play out. But yeah, for me, you know, I'm clearing out of Animal Kingdom. But I guess the big elephant in the room, Joe, that we have to keep in mind is these changes to Genie Plus that haven't come. And if we find ourselves in a situation where Genie Plus looks more like FastPass Plus did and you're making these advanced reservations, then people are going to be committed to the park where they make their Genie Plus reservations in advance. And they're going to be committed to that park until they can use, if there's more than one, you know, two or three, like there was with FastPass Plus, they're going to be committed to that park until they can use all three of those Genie Plus reservations. So just keep in mind, all of what we have talked about could could very well be short-lived depending upon what GD plus looks like in the future. I really am losing faith in that whole situation, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. We used to pray for times like this, as they said. So we'll see what happens with that. All right. So we're going to talk about dining plan and the Disney plus uh, quote unquote free dining offer in a second, but let's take a quick break and then get to that. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between. You'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. All right, Leslie, we are famously not fans of the dining plan. I think when you start hearing some of these Disney Plus offer deals, I I will find at least, I will tell you that at least I'm like, oh, uh, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I'm all about the memes today. It's like that kombucha meme. That's how I feel about the Disney dining plan right now. But can you explain to us really quickly uh, what the dining plan is and how much it costs? Sure. So dining plan lets you essentially prepay for your meals. And there are two different forms of dining plan. There's the higher level dining plan for the fancy folks who want to eat more table service meals. That dining plan includes one table service meal, one quick service meal, one snack, and one drink cup 
per person. That's called the Disney dining plan and that's per night. So that gives you, I mean, it's close to three meals a day if you think about a snack as sort of your breakfast or something like that. And then the second dining plan is the quick service dining plan. That is two quick service meals a day, one snack and one drink cup. So that gives you the different choices and you will be very well fed <laughs> with either one, which is why you and I aren't as big a fans with it. So how much are the prices on those, Joe? Yeah. So for the Disney dining plan, it's $94.28 per adult and $29.69 per child. And you have to get the dining plan for the full length of your stay. And then for the quick service, it's $57.01 for adults and $23.83 for kids. Let's just talk about dining plan in general really quickly. I think we should do a dining plan episode about how to maximize it later, but conceptually, it's just about prepaying for your food now if you want to. So if you're going to pay for the dining plan, what you're saying is I'm going to pay $95 for adults, $30 for kids, just to not have to worry about paying for my food and getting that bill later every day. And some people really like that. Now, the only thing that's not included are gratuities, but typically you get an alcoholic drink at each meal that you get. Um, so if you like alcohol, um, which you know we don't drink as much, so maybe that's why uh, it's not as worth it for us, although we do buy $4 Diet Cokes all the time. But that's kind of what you're doing. You're prepaying for your food. I think that's where you and I, Leslie, are like, do we really want to prepay for our food? Because you know, I don't know if on a six-night trip, I'm going to do six table service meals necessarily. Yeah, even I, who I enjoy a good table service meal at Disney World, I'm not going to eat that many table service meals. And sometimes when you eat a table service meal for the day, the rest of the day, you just want a snack. Even a quick service meal for everybody in the family could be too much. You know, my family often will hit a quick service and we'll order like two or three entrees among the four of us. And that's more than enough, especially when your kids are younger and even like a kid's meal could be too much if you have like a three or a four year old. So that's that's why I, I just find sometimes or, you know, if you're somebody who orders groceries back to your hotel room, you're eating breakfast in your room or you're just grabbing a granola bar or something like that. You're not a breakfast person. Then this can quickly add up to too much food. The other thing about the dining plan is like you kind of have to do the math about how much you want to spend on food before. And that really depends on what type of person you are. Because if you are the type of person who has budgeted out your Disney trip and you know how much you plan to spend on food before you get there, then you could definitely save money doing this. If you are more fly by the I guess it can go both ways. But the bottom line is, you know, whether you save or spend more money with this, it really is going to depend on how you end up using it. So I think that is tough. Now, one thing we recommend is on a trip, Maybe start by coming up with a tally of the table service restaurants you're thinking of, and that can help you decide the dining plan because, you know, maybe, like I said, on a six-night trip, there are five table service restaurants I want to try, and then I think to myself, okay, well, maybe I just get the dining plan and eat at a six-table service, perhaps. Yeah, definitely plan it out. And then obviously think, too, about um, some table service restaurants are not equivalent to one table service credit. <laughs> That's something you also have to think about. So look at the restaurants you actually want to eat, find out you know how they fit into the dining plan. If they're going to be using more than one credit, then you might be better off paying out of pocket. Definitely. Now, the other thing that we're not 100% sure on at 
time of recording, but I think it'll work. Um, and this is when I think the dining plan really might make sense. If you're on a multi-family trip or a multi-room trip, you can put the dining plan on one of your rooms and share credits amongst the two rooms. I just don't think there's a way that like, they're not going to, they're please Disney, like don't ask your frontline cast members to like check names. But let's say your family is going and my family is going, Leslie, we're each going for five nights. We can split the dining plan between us. And then when we sit down, like all nine of us together at a meal, um, let's say the dining plan's on your reservation, you can just use your credits for um, both of us. Now, we should say we didn't explain up front. The way it works is you get one table service and one quick service credit per day, but you can use them on any day of your trip. So you could use them all in like one day if you wanted. So I do think if you have a multi-room trip, you can consider getting the dining plan for one of those rooms. Yeah. Let's hope that hack continues to work into the future. Cause I think that is a great, a great option for families like yours when you're going on a multi-gen trip, something like that. Yeah. And I don't think it's a hack. I, I just think like, you know, that's, that's how, you know, more or less how it should work. All right, Joe, so as we're recording this, a new free dining offer just came out. Why don't you fill folks in on that and how that potentially changes plans for 2024? Yeah, so free is always in quotes with Disney, but the way it works is now, Leslie, you know, I forgot to say this. I meant to say this at some point. It is very clear to me that Disney is very soft for 2024 because let me talk about the other offer that's been released right now. Right now, pretty much from today... All the way through October 3rd, there are room-only discounts across all those dates, anywhere from 10 to up to 35%. And like it's based on like when you're going and how many days you're staying. But even for a one-night stay, you can get like 20% off on a lot of rooms if that room is available. My colleague, Amanda, thank you, Amanda, for all your help. And I have been going through my reservations all day. So far, we've gone through like 20, 21 reservations. And over half of them have qualified for this room only discount. So overall, like I, thousands of dollars are being saved amongst my clients. So Disney is obviously very soft. These room only discounts are really great. Leslie, I was telling you that a friend of mine went from 566 a night resort view at Yacht Club to 375 a night uh, resort view beach club. So yeah, okay. You're moving from the hardwood floor to the carpets. But, uh, I remember last year, Leslie, when we were talking about hotels, you were like, it's tough to see a three in front of a deluxe. And I mean, what do you think about all that? Leslie, you eat some yeah. there. That, <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome for, for guests, not so awesome for Disney or Disney stockholders, I guess, but yeah, almost makes me want to try to figure out how to squeeze a trip in here to take advantage because I don't think you're going to see that again. If, um, I mean, that's, that's crazy. A three, I mean, those, those were numbers that I saw a decade ago, Joe, when you and I first started going to these parks in earnest. Yes. I don't know. I, I was thinking to myself, oh, it feels like 2017, 2018 again. We're not going to see this again. But I was like, oh, maybe they're going to have to keep doing this next year because of Epic Universe. And they're going to have to keep staying competitive. So we'll see. Anyway, the prices are good. Joseph Chung at TravelMation.net if you want any help. I'm looking for those prices. Shameless plug there. But the Disney Plus dining offer, Leslie, is... If you're a Disney Plus subscriber, which the majority of Disney fans already are, even though there was a price increase last year, then as long as you're staying a minimum of four nights and have four-day park hoppers, 
again, Disney trying to push the park hopper, you will get a dining plan included with your stay. So for value and moderate resorts, that's a quick service plan for deluxe resorts. It is a Disney dining plan. I will say, Leslie, that I had some clients like booked. Oh, it's from July 1st to September 30th. I got sidetracked there for a second with the room only discount. I had some clients who had booked for those dates. And basically, they got a dining plan for free because they had not booked a discounted room yet. And, you know, we just changed it. So I'll give you an example. I had a client staying for seven nights in September. They're staying at Pop Century. There's four of them. And they were staying seven nights with four-day base tickets. So they had to upgrade to park hoppers, which cost them $362 total amongst the four of them. But now they have 14 quick service meals to play around with. Let's say they only use eight of those. They've already broken even. I mean, for four people, like $50 per quick service, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. And they've gotten the extra flexibility of park hopping in in with that. So that's awesome. That's really awesome. Now, I mean, I guess we should warn folks, you do have to check now that you have these overlapping promos, you have this Disney Plus free dining, and you have these great room discounts, you need to play the promos off against one another. And usually, I suspect, because this has always been the case, Joe, the room discount is probably bigger, especially for the deluxe resorts, right? Yeah, that is what I thought, but I tried mm. this for even the, so I tried this for the beach club one. I think that when it comes down to it, they're very close. Like if you do the math, it's very close. And that's, that's what I found. So for example, let's sticking with the pop century client, like for their room discount, they would have saved $300 on their pop century room. And so now if they added the quick service dining plan to that, like it would have ballooned to $5,000. But, you know, obviously you're not going to do it that way. If you're going to add the dining plan, you'll do it the Disney Plus way. But, you know, it's like save 300, you know, switching to the room only discount. So then the way you think about it is you're paying $662 for the park hopper. And, you know, realistically, they're going to want to do at least one table service or two. So let's say conservatively, they get 10 quick service meals out of that. $660 for park hopper and 10 quick service meals. I mean, that's not too bad. And then, like I was saying, for the Beach Club, even with that huge discount, 556 to 375 per night-ish, almost $200 per night, I found that adding the dining plan just using the room discount, 7700 for adding the dining plan using the room discount, 76 using the Disney Plus free dining offer. That is where, though, you have to ask yourself, would I use this much food because like i think that is you know when the numbers come out that close that means you're not really necessarily like saving that much money on this versus the standard dining plan like you're only saving a hundred dollars versus if you bought the dining plan on its own but would you have spent as much money on food as the dining plan cost plus one hundred dollars in the first place that's where the math gets really confusing it gets really tiring i get why i get why people just buy the dining plan because like i'm so tired of doing math leslie it's been a long day yeah, yeah, you need spreadsheets for all of this. And that's usually what I'm doing. <laughs> this is if you enjoy this kind of stuff like Joe and I do, <laughs> then great. Otherwise, then we're with you just by the dining plan. <laughs> yes, for sure. The bottom line is, you know, you probably tuned out for a lot of the math gobbledygook that I just said. But the bottom line is you really want to do some math to figure out whether it makes sense for you. And I do think that with this discount, the dining plan makes a little bit more sense, but that's because you and I, Leslie, are the type of people who we were probably going 
especially if you're going to Walt Disney World, um, if I'm going with my family, we're going four nights and getting at least four-day park hoppers to start with. So there's not that much incremental addition. But if I'm going five nights and I was only going to do three base day tickets, like now I got to add a day, plus I got to add the park hopper, you know, that that's when the math gets fuzzy and it's it's not as much of a slam dunk because you can get away with not spending that much money or as much money as the dining plan costs eating at Disney. For sure. All right, Joe, that's a lot of math. Why don't we close this episode out with our traditional Disney do or don't? What do you have for us? My Disney do is always check back to Disney to see what discounts are out there. Just as a reminder, like you can always rebook your Disney vacation and there aren't like change fees. And especially if you're like more than 30 days after your trip, there's not even like technically in the terms and conditions, there are like no change fees. So you should always be checking for discounts, rebooking. Remember the Disney trips that you're booking are always fully refundable, at least up until final payment five days out if you're doing a room only reservation. So check for those discounts and rebook or again, shameless plug Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. And I will spend my entire Wednesday morning myself and my team looking to see if you qualify for those discounts and rebooking them for you so that you can just save that money. All right. Important shameless plug. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. We'd love to hear your opinions. Like, what do you think about park reservations going away? Uh, How's that going to change your strategy? Is the fact that Dining Plan is back, is that going to change your strategy at all? Let us know at www.deciphered on Twitter, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment on our YouTube page. Thank you, everyone, for listening, especially for getting through that long mass segment that probably went too long and should have been cut, but oh well. Other than that, Leslie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me, and I will see you with your slide roll trying to prove that Disney Dining Plan is not worth it for your family's vacation. Thanks, Joe.